to save six figures with Gina Knox, the podcast where I coach you on how to save $100,000 by optimizing your cash flow. Hello, savers, and welcome back to the podcast. We are back with the second episode of the Secrets of a Trust Fund Baby series. This is the series where I take you behind the scenes on all of the secrets I learned as a little trust fund baby, as I lovingly call myself, because I'm the trust fund baby that your kids will be because of what you do now. So just giving you a little behind the scenes on what you can expect for your kids or the kids in your lives, even if you don't have kids. Um, And today's episode I'm really excited about. This is called... Driving luxury cars with car hacking. Now, you may have heard of house hacking, which is essentially where you buy a duplex or a multifamily home, you live in one of the units, you rent out the other ones, and the rent from the other ones covers your mortgage so you can live either rent-free, essentially, or you can live at a subsidized rate. Car hacking is not like that. Car hacking does not require half the work that house hacking requires, and it's way more fun, in my opinion. So car hacking. First, let's talk about how financial gurus talk about cars. I have heard it from so many personal finance people that like buying a car is the worst investment. It's not an investment at all. It's a depreciating asset, which means it's losing value constantly. Never put your money in cars. Like there is so much anger (laughs) around people who spend a lot of money on cars. And I think that there's one big misconception that is driving a lot of that advice, which is that what you pay for the car, that the sticker price of the car is how much you pay for it. That is not true. And that is the first thing you need to break in your mind in order to start thinking about cars differently. Instead of thinking, if I want a $60,000 SUV, it's going to cost me $60,000, I want you to instead think about what is my total cost of ownership for owning a car for a period of time. And car hacking is all about driving expensive cars and having your total cost of ownership be low, like less than 10,000, sometimes less than 5,000, depends on the car. I have done this, my husband and I, my husband, I should credit my husband, he's the one that really taught me this. We have done this with multiple cars. And he, he played the long game with me because I used to be of the mindset that like, don't spend a lot on cars, I'll drive a beater. I loved my Honda Civic. Like, let me drive my Honda Civic into the ground, right? Let me drive it until it has 250,000 miles on it. I was very much of that mentality. And when he taught me this, I really didn't believe it and I was very resistant. So he kind of worked his magic and he played the long game and we worked our way up to what we have now. So let me tell you the strategy and then let me tell you my experience with it. So the strategy is this. You buy a used car, but it should be relatively new. So I would say less than six years old, but a used car. The reason is new cars are famously, like they depreciate like 50% the minute you drive them off the lot. So when you buy a used car, you're already 
buying it at a lower rate than the first owner. And so you're already not losing that depreciation. So you buy a used car, but it should be less than five years, five or six years old and have low mileage under 100,000, I would say under 50,000 preferably. And here's the most important part. If you take nothing else from this podcast, listen to this. The car has to, has to be CPO. CPO stands for Certified Pre-Owned. And to get that certification, a car has to pass a number of like points, including that it has never been in a major wreck. If it is not CPO, and I have had clients who thought a car was CPO and then it turned out not to be and they bought it anyways, and it turned out that it was in a crash. And so if it's not CPO, don't buy it. Verify this point, if anything, because a CPO car is going to have a higher resale value. And remember, we're thinking about total cost of ownership, so we want to make sure that you can get the most money back as possible. Now, less than six years old, low mileage, CPO. We also want, ideally, a warranty on it. Whether it's the manufacturer's warranty that's still going on the car, or if you buy a secondary warranty from the dealership. Now, my experience with CarMax, which is where we buy a lot of our cars, which by the way, I'm not sponsored by them, but shout out CarMax, y'all are the MVP. My experience with CarMax is that they will sell you a a warranty, a post-market warranty, which will cover your car. And the beauty is if you sell it back to them before the warranty is up, they will prorate you the money you didn't use back. So for example, we've bought a warranty from them for like $2,700 for let's call it a five-year warranty, but then we ended up selling the car back to them after like a year. So they prorated us like over $1,000 because we didn't use that time on the warranty. The warranty is also gonna make your resale value higher even if you don't sell it back to CarMax or your dealership or whoever, if you have the warranty, your resale value will be higher. And most importantly, a warranty covers anything that goes wrong within the bounds of the warranty, right? So you have to definitely read the agreement that you're signing. But you're remember, we're trying to keep your total cost of ownership low. If anything major happens with your car and you have to pay for it out of pocket, that's going to make your total cost of ownership go up. So that's why we recommend a warranty. Now, not all warranties are created the same. I don't want you to just buy anything. This is why in Seven Figure Wealth, we're going to be doing a car hacking workshop so that we can actually go over the particulars. In this podcast, I just want to introduce you to the way of thinking, okay? So I don't guarantee that this process works with just anything. I definitely, the particulars matter, but here's how the general process works. Okay, so you have the warranty. You have a CPO car, less than five years old. You get, ideally, if you can, you get an auto loan for this car. And you get the lowest interest rate possible. I'm talking like 3% or less, ideally. Now that's not always possible. Interest rates go up and down, et cetera. And not everyone's credit can can work for this, but ideally you get as big of a loan as possible with as long of terms as possible. I'm talking like 72 months or longer, if you can get it, with like 3% or less. Now you may say, Gina, that's wasting money. I'm spending money on interest. I, um, I don't wanna spend money on interest. Here's what you're gonna do instead. 
with the money that you would have spent to buy the car, you're going to use that money to make you more money, whether it's reinvesting that money in the stock market, reinvesting that money into your business, however it is. But you're going to this is how we're going to leverage that debt to make you more money in a different place. Again, this is just the theory. I just want you to open your eyes to the possibilities. And in the actual mastermind, we're going to coach on the very particulars of how this works. OK, so you're going to get a loan. You're going to put a certain amount of money down and then you're going to pay the minimum payments on that loan. Then you're going to drive that car for two years or less and you're going to turn around and sell it. This process doesn't work if you actually just want the car forever <laughs> because the whole point is that we're keeping our total cost of ownership low. So now that you know the theory, let me talk you through how we have done this with our cars in the past. And I'll tell you how my husband played the long game and conned me into becoming a car girl. <laughs> we started with a, a Mazda Miata. It was $21,000. We did this exact process that I just laid out. It was a $21,000 car. We got a loan for it. I think we put like $3,000 down and then we sold it a year later for, I think, $20,000. So we bought it for 21. We sold it for 20. We lost $1,000 on the um, on the sticker price and I think the taxes, which I don't remember how much they were. Then this is where my husband got me because he taught me on the Miata how to drive stick. And then I got hooked on having a manual transmission. And really what he wanted was a Corvette. And at the time, before we bought the Miata, I'm like, no way in hell are we buying a Corvette. That's a ridiculous car. It's so expensive, blah, 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 blah. But he got me hooked on the manual transmission. And then he had me test drive all these supercars. So I test drove the, um, what's it called? The Mustang. I test drove a Porsche. I test drove a Jaguar F-Type. And then I test drove the Corvette. And I wanted to hate the Corvette because when I think of a Corvette, I think of honestly like an old, like a middle-aged white guy. I'm like, that's not a cool car. I test drove it and I fell in love with that freaking car. Oh my God, was it sexy? Was it so fun to drive? And I was hooked on it. And so I was like, fine. That car cost us like $54,000 though. And I was like, damn, that's a lot of money. But we did this exact process. And he, Paul told me, we're going to have the car for a year and we're going to sell it. So we had the Corvette for a year. We turned around and we sold it for 56. So we bought it for 54, we sold it for 56. Yes, we lost money on the taxes, but again, the total cost of ownership to drive a supercar for a year cost us a couple thousand dollars. That was worth it to me because I enjoyed it. It's something that I wanted to spend my money on, right? It was enjoyable process. And I think like I probably would have spent that on a vacation that I would have enjoyed as well. This was worth it to me. Then we did that with our current car. Now our current car we still own. It is a Mercedes E63 wagon. It's over a $100,000 car. We have a loan on it. We get offers from strangers for that car like every month. Strangers will walk up, are you do you want to sell that car? <laughs> because it's such a specialty car. There's very like there's less than 200 of them in the United States. It's a very specialty car. It's gorgeous, it's so fun to drive. And when it comes time to sell it, our total cost of ownership will still be low. This is how we think about car hacking. It's not about, oh my God, I spent over $100,000 on a car. No, I didn't spend over $100,000 on a car. I spent a couple thousand to drive it for two years. 
That's how I want you to think about car hacking. This is the different way to think about money, right? And in Seven Figure Wealth, I think this car hacking is such a perfect example of leveraging debt to build you wealth because we have the cash to buy that car in full. We decided not to use all of our cash to buy that car in full. And instead, we have the cash that we would have used invested in the stock market growing for us. Meanwhile, we're paying a low interest loan and we're making more money in the stock market than we're spending on the loan. This is how wealthy people think about money. It's not debt is bad. It's not cars are bad. It's not this is too expensive. It's what is my total cost of ownership? And does it make sense to take a car loan? Yes or no, depending on the terms, depending on the interest rate. And can I make more money with my money elsewhere? This, this is the kinds of conversations that we're going to be having inside of Seven Figure Wealth. Whether you're interested in car hacking or not, I really don't care. Whether you want a fancy car or not is not the point. The point is, it's time for you, now that you have a skill of earning, even if you're still working on your earning sale, now that you know how to manage your cash flow and generally you know how to save, even if you don't have as much savings as you want, it's time to think about money differently. It's time to think about money like the trust fund baby that your kids will be. And I am so excited to host this mastermind and help you do just that. All right, applications open this Friday to the public. They open this Friday. The link will be in our show notes. I want you to apply on day one because we have limited spots for this round of the mastermind and applications have been open for early enrollment for my current clients and those spots have been going. So there are even more limited spots available by the time we get to opening day. If you are interested at all in the mastermind, I want you to apply on day one so that you can guarantee that you will get a sales call slot with me if that's something that you want, or you can go straight to checkout and join. We already have such an amazing group of entrepreneurs who have re-signed into the mastermind or who were six-figure savers who upgraded because I gave my current clients priority enrollment, of course. So if you want to be a part of this group, join the waitlist in the bio, in the bio, in the wait, in the show notes. Where am I? I'm on a podcast. Join the waitlist in the show notes and I will see you on Friday. I'll also see you tomorrow for our next episode of Secrets of a Trust Fund Baby. All right. See you later. See you later.